We are in our last week. Can you believe that? We've gone all the way through Philippians. If you've missed any of these weeks, I encourage you to go back and watch them online. The goal of this whole series has been teaching us how to live into the light that God has given us in our hearts and how to shine it in the world around us. Today, we're going to be looking at the idea of wholeness and how it is we can live into the promises that God has given us in our lives. We are going to be looking at Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9, and then 12 through 13. You can read it along with me in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. This is what the word of the Lord says. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Cynthia to be the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contented at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God indeed. Today we're going to start off like we did a few weeks ago. I would love for you to close your eyes. I'm going to paint a picture for you. I want to share with you a moment in the life of Jesus. Jesus had gotten on a boat in the middle of a lake which looked like an ocean. You couldn't see one edge from the other. And in this boat were some of his friends, some of his closest followers. And as they got onto this boat, Jesus was tired from a time of ministry. In fact, they were all tired from a time of ministry. And as the time continued on, as they were in this boat, the waves started to crash around the edges of the ship. The waves got so torrent, in fact, that the sails started to come down, that the mast started to lean to the side, and the men in the boat were frantic because they didn't know what to do. The men in the boat were frantic because they were afraid for their lives. Yet one man in this boat was still through the whole process. In fact, in this boat, not only was Jesus still, Jesus was asleep, asleep in the storm, asleep in the raging sea, asleep with the screams of terror around him. 
And the men realized that Jesus, their leader, was not only not helping, but was fully asleep in this moment. And they started to cry out to Jesus. They said, Jesus, do you not notice this terror that we are in? Do you not notice that we are about to die? Jesus wakes up, noticing the winds and waves, and says to them, ye of little faith, and then stands and calms the winds and the sea. It's a story that most of us have heard many times. And as you open your eyes, I want to ask you what you saw in that moment. Because when I hear that story, sometimes it's so familiar to me that I lose the power that we are supposed to be taking from it. Because basically what Jesus is saying to his friends that he didn't need to be awake for everything to happen. He was present. He was with them. He was in control, and they doubted. And the deepest, darkest parts of that moment, they doubted Jesus' goodness. They doubted Jesus' presence. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been plenty of times in my life, maybe one or two times this week, when things have gotten so crazy when I have been so frustrated that I have doubted, that I have doubted God's presence in a situation, that I have doubted Jesus' power in this moment because what I wanted to see is not happening. You ever feel like that? You see, these disciples are in a boat with Jesus, and what they want to see, which is calmness, which is smoothness, which is the fact that they're going to live, is not happening. And because what they want to see is not happening, they start to doubt. Doubt the one who gave them everything. Doubt the one who they've been walking with, whom they know so much more physically than you and I know Jesus. They doubted. And what we see happening in Philippians is Paul speaking to this exact type of doubt. Paul is saying to the Philippians at the end of this letter, remember, Paul is writing this letter from prison. Things cannot get much worse for Paul. When you're in prison, they don't feed you. Did you know that? The food that you get is from people who bring it to the prison for you. In prison, Paul is not guaranteed anything. In prison, Paul's not able to do the ministry he believes he's meant to do. He's not doing, living the life he believes he's meant to live. Paul is struggling. Paul is hurting. And what Paul is saying to these people in Philippi is that I know what it is to be in a time of trouble. And I have learned. He doesn't say, I was born this way. He said, I have learned how to be content in all situations, in all times, under all circumstances. That's a promise that is made to you and I. This ability to have peace, this ability to have contentment, this ability to live through the deepest, darkest times of your lives and still be content and joyous. 
but Paul knows how hard that is. Paul knows that it's a choice. It's not something that comes by accident. We have to choose that contentment. We have to choose that joy. And so what Paul gives them at the end of this letter, his signing off, his goodbye, these are the last words I'm going to share with you. The last words he shares with them are ways in which they can connect with Christ, ways in which they can become content in all circumstances. So if we just look at the scripture, we're going to get some points. You know, he, it's not a bulletin. It's not bul uh, bullet pointed, but it could be if we rewrote it today. I could give you some bullets right on this. And here's what it says. The first thing he says is, stand firm in the Lord. Okay, well, great. If I come to the hospital to love on somebody who you love who's not doing well, and I tell you just to stand firm in the Lord, you're going to look at me and say, thanks, pastor. Appreciate that. Not like I didn't know that, right? Just these, these words that we tend to throw out to one another, stand firm in the Lord. So what Paul does is he doesn't leave it there. He tells them how to stand firm in the Lord. The first thing he does is he talks about two women who are fighting in the church. Now, men, this doesn't really have to do with it being a woman. It's just the particular circumstances that are happening in this particular church. These guys laughing at me. These two women are not getting along. They're women that Paul has done ministry with. They're women that Paul loves and adores. And what Paul says is that not only to the two women, hey, you guys got to figure out how to disagree and agree at the same time, right? How to get along without having to agree on everything. Not only that, but Paul says that those around them must walk with them in this process. So Paul's saying his first piece of advice, which cracks me up, his first piece of advice doesn't have anything to do with prayer, doesn't have anything to do with meditation, has everything to do with choosing to get along with others. If you want to experience my peace, if you want to experience light in the darkness, then you must choose, in the midst of difficult times, peace with others. Good luck with that. But it's a choice. And I think that's what we get wrong. We realize that this person is wrong, that they've wronged me, that I am so right, because by the way, in case you haven't heard a few of my sermons, I am always right. Well, it is your birthday, honey, I'll give you today, but after that, I'm always right. It's hard when you know that your stance on this part is right. You see it all the time in politics. The people over here, boy, they are right. But then the people over here, they're totally right. If both sides are right, we're never going to have relationship together. The point is to choose to get along in the midst of the disagreement. The point is to choose love and peace in the midst of differences. It's a choice we can make. That's the first way, that's the first um, lesson that Paul gives us in learning to be content in all things. The second lesson he gives us is to rejoice. We see it in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says it again, because it's not enough to say it once, so that means you really have to pay attention. You see something happen twice, back to back in the Bible, you pay attention. He says, I say it again, rejoice. In the midst of the waiting, that song that we sang before, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Choose in the waiting to rejoice. Choose in the waiting, in the not knowing, in the unseen, in the chaos, in the darkness. Choose to rejoice, even though the answer that you want is not happening right now. Choose to believe that God is good. Choose to celebrate that amongst all of these things, God is good. 
And as we rejoice, we are given more power. We, the Spirit fills us more. We experience the presence of the Spirit more fully. When we choose in the midst of the darkness to rejoice and recognize the presence of God. The next thing Paul says is that we need to be gentle. Gentle. To me, this is going right back to that unity piece. And boy, to our world, could there not be more powerful words? Choose to love one another and choose to be gentle. Not only with others, but with yourself. You see, sometimes the darkness that we're struggling through is all self-imposed. We've created this situation. We're hurting because of our behavior, because of our decisions, because of the things we can't walk away from yet. And in order to grow, in order to get better, we have to be gentle with ourselves and gentle with others. The next thing that Paul says is that we have to be gentle, recognizing that the Lord is near, right? This world is not the end of the story. And that's where we get things wrong so often. We want answers that reflect the goodness of this world and not the goodness of the kingdom to come. When we rejoice in the Lord, when we choose gentleness, when we choose unity, we're doing that, recognizing that this world ultimately is not the end of the story. It is the kingdom that is to come. And that is a place where there always is rejoicing, where there are no tears, where everything is made whole again. And then Paul says, and in everything, choose not to be anxious and in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, this is not a condemnation of anxiety. There are many people in this world that suffer with anxiety as a condition. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about those anxious moments where we're choosing to sit in the rocking chair. Do you know what the rocking chair is? The rocking chair is the place of stress and anxiety where you just sit in it and ruminate on it by choice. And you know where rocking chairs go? Nowhere. They get you nowhere, right? You sit in a rocking chair, you aren't going, you're, you're moving, but you're going nowhere, right? That's what this type of anxiety is. It's choosing to sit in the ugly, to sit in the chaos, to sit in your uncertainty about what is happening. See, we do have a choice about that. When our thoughts go to those places, we have to choose to move our thoughts somewhere else that will bring movement and life and joy and peace into our hearts and souls. And one of the ways that we do that is through prayer. Paul says one of the ways that we can move away through anxiety is recognizing that we have to give everything to God. Not just once. Sometimes we have to give it to him every hour on the hour. And ask God to take it all and to give it fully and completely to him. Then he says, if we can do that, if we manage to give our thoughts and our prayers and our anxieties to God, then what comes upon you? A peace that surpasses all understanding. I've experienced this peace a few times in my life. But it's a presence that's available to us every moment of every day, not just sometimes. This peace that passes understanding fills us with the certainty that no matter what happens, no matter how things end, we're going to be okay. That God's got us in his hand. That we have not been forgotten, that we have not been left behind. 
a peace that surpasses all understanding. And it, Paul also promises that you will receive the peace that passes understanding and that God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this word guard, the word that is used and translated here is actually like a guard, a sentry. God will place a sentry, a soldier, to guard your heart as you go through life and all of its ups and downs. But in order to get that, we have to make a few choices beforehand, remember? We have to choose unity. We have to choose gentleness. We have to choose to rejoice. Attitudes of the mind and behavior. The last thing that Paul says is that in order to receive this peace, in order to become content in all things and in all situations, one of the ways we can do that besides turning to prayer is to turn to things that are good and holy. He says, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about these things. I've done this with my kids when they're struggling. I've tried to teach them. I wish I could do it as much as I try to teach them to do it. But I try to teach them when you're stressing, when you're anxious, choose to think about something that is good. Choose to train your mind to move it to something else. When the hurt and the pain come, you choose instead to think about something that is good, that is holy, that is pure. If we can put all these things into action, you and I can learn to be content in all things, to see the presence of God at all times. Andrew, will you put up a slide for me? It's coming, I promise. This is a painting by Rembrandt. It's a painting that depicts Matthew 8, where Jesus calms the storm. This is where we started today, with the disciples furiously trying to make things better and frustrated that Jesus wasn't participating or awake. This over here is the whole painting. This is a close-up on it. And I want you to look at this and all of these people. Try and notice each character and what they're doing and how they're feeling. I want you to consider where you might be in this grouping of people. Are you the guy holding on with all of your might to what used to be, right, the mask? The mask used to be there, and where's it going? It's, it's almost gone, right? But he's holding on with all of his might to what was. Are you this guy throwing up over the side? You can't really see him, but there he is right there. I mean, it's Rembrandt. We can talk about it if Rembrandt did it, right? But you're so overwhelmed by what's happening. You are physically sick because of it. Are you this guy up here who's trying to make the sales fixed? You're doing the work. You're doing the work. You're doing the work. Because if you do the work, everything will get better, right? When I looked at this picture for the first time, what I saw was Jesus' presence. You notice where Jesus' presence is? It's in the darkest part of the boat. You see, in the very place where we feel like Jesus has forgotten us, where we have been left behind, where our needs have been forgotten, that's exactly where we're going to find Jesus. Is in the darkest, deepest pits of chaos. 
Not only is Jesus in the darkest parts, but look at the people up here who were in the light, in the light of the chaos, and the people who are close to Jesus. Do you see a difference between their actions? You see, I think what Rembrandt has done here is painted a picture of what life looks like for us when we are going through difficult times. We are often those people who think we're in the light, trying as frantically as we can to make things better, instead of being the people who are close to Jesus in the darkness. Waiting on God, looking for the presence of Jesus, does not mean that we are still, sometimes it does, sometimes that's exactly what it means, but waiting can also be a very active way of living. When we wait, we're not doing nothing. When we wait, what Paul says we do is we choose unity. We choose gentleness. We choose to rejoice. We choose to put our minds on things that are good and lovely and beautiful. And in doing that, we sit close to the presence of Jesus and we feel the calm that those men are feeling right there. Life is hard I wish I could tell you that the moment you accept Christ into your life, everything becomes flowers and unicorns and daisies. But that's not the reality. What happens is, is that when you end up in a storm, you're not alone anymore. When you end up in a storm, you're not walking that path by yourself. When you end up in a storm, you have the presence of the one who created you, who loves you, and who has a plan with you, and who will not, for anything, leave you alone. When we were in the process of adopting Meili, we got so close to the end, we were just months from going to China to get her. And we got word from our adoption agency that something had happened, it was really not good, and chances were that the adoption was not gonna go through. Now for some of you that might seem okay because we didn't even really know her in person, but for us, we loved that girl. We knew she was our daughter. We had had over a year of looking at her picture, of praying for her, of praying with her, of understanding that this was our daughter, that God had ordained would be our child. And for a period of time, we were told not to hope that we would get her because chances were it was not going to happen. And in the beginning of that process, I was that guy at the beginning, at the top of the boat. I was that guy who was trying to do everything I could to make things right. I could, try, I could fix it, I could fix it, I could fix it. But then at some point, I realized there was nothing I could do to change the minds of the people who would make that ultimate decision in China. And I had to go sit in the darkness with Jesus. So the question for us today is what is happening in our life or what is going to happen in our life where we have to choose to get out of the light of chaos and to sit in the darkness with Jesus so that we can experience contentment and wholeness in all things. You see, we don't know how Paul's story ends. The last we hear of Paul in scripture is that he's in jail. We have no idea what happens next, but it is most likely that he was killed. It is most likely he was not only killed, but beheaded for the work he did in Christ. And he knew that that was coming. And still he wrote, in all things, I have learned to be content. That is available to you today also. You just have to learn the art of waiting on God in such a way 
that you are making choices that draw you nearer to Jesus instead of walking away into the chaos. Let us pray. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you meet us in the darkness, Lord, that you never leave us. I thank you, God, that you have given us ways to connect to peace and contentment that is available in you. And I know everyone in this place has experienced times of trouble, and I know that they're going to experience more. God, I pray that in those times you would remind us, you would goad us, you would encourage us to wait on you, to experience the wholeness of the life that you want to give us by choosing gentleness, by choosing unity, by choosing to rejoice, and by choosing to set our minds on things that are beautiful and good. As we do that, Lord, we pray you bless us with the peace that passes understanding and the ability to be content in all things. Amen.